Good to see you all this morning. Really, really excited about what God's doing in the life of our church. And I'm really, I always love it when I'm in worship and it's like, wow, okay, we don't need to preach today. We just need to worship more. So isn't it great just to sing out and sing praise to God? My name's Pete um, and we're going to be continuing our series of songs for the summer, which is looking at the book of Psalms in the Bible. It's going to be great. But before we do that, I have got a little announcement to make to you all. There's a bit of a rumor going around this morning, and the rumors are true that I am making a second worship album, which is... Thank you. <laughs> and I'm not going to play it all to you now instead of preaching. Um, this has obviously been a long time coming, and people say to me as soon as I release the last one, hey, when's the next one coming out? And um, for those of you who don't know about songwriting, it does take a bit of time. Uh, but I do believe that these are some of the strongest and some of the most honest songs that I've ever written to date. And I'm trusting that this album will help impact and encourage many people. About a year ago, I was playing at a festival, and I threw out a CD as I normally do, and this little kid, about eight years old, caught it, and he started parading it around his head like a trophy. A few days later, I received an email from his grandma who told me of the last year that he had, and he'd had a difficult year. He, his parents had split up, and his mum had decided to encourage him to keep walking with God, and his dad was kind of against God and decided to encourage him to turn his back on church. And so he did. He kind of lost a bit of hope, and he certainly lost faith. But his grandma told me that he played a song of mine, Enemies, over and over and over again, all the way home two hours later on the car journey. Then he started to play it to his friends. And then when he was at a summer camp the next week, he asked the summer camp leaders to start playing it for him as well. This one song started to get into his head and heart, and it changed his perspective of God and helped lead him back to God again. And I say this not because I'm a genius at songwriting, but I really believe that songs change lives. And that's why we're doing a series on the songs of God, because these songs make an impact. And um, I'd love to invite you to support and get behind me. I've got a little flyer somewhere over here in your notes. And if you'd like to, you can um, get behind me. I haven't got a record label, so I'm asking you to be my record label. And if you'd like to support in some way, please do follow the website tomorrow about midday. And um, there's going to be more information. There's loads of rewards and prizes and all those sorts of things. But on top of this, I'm going to be playing some of these songs live in the coffee shop on the 14th of August after every service. So I'd love you to come along, have a listen. And I'm just so grateful for your support. So thank you. Thanks for listening to that. Um, we're going to pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you you are here with us. We thank you that your heart is warm, that your arms are open wide towards us, and that you want to minister to us and encourage us this morning. I pray your word will be alive. I pray that I won't get in the way of that, but that your word will breathe life to us and that you'll be glorified. Amen. We're going to be looking at Psalm 37. It's titled Psalm 37, but underneath it says a psalm of David. Now, I love hearing about the stories of David. And in the book of 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel in the Old Testament of the Bible, there's many accounts of how David won battles. We all know about David and Goliath. But David won many battles. He was a great warrior and a great king. In fact, he was the greatest king Israel arguably had. 
But if we only look at his actions in these stories, then we miss out on so much of his heart. So if the stories of David in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel and other, verses, other portions of Scripture as well, if they're the kind of the actions of David, then the Psalms of David must show his heart. And when we read this, I want to encourage you to look at the heart of this great leader. A few weeks ago, Craig Rochelle from Life Church TV was on the screen behind us, and he gave a great word to us. And one of the things that he said was, don't just study what a great leader does, study how he thinks. And I believe that as we read this psalm together, it will not only give you an understanding of the heart of a man that the Bible says David was a man after God's own heart, but it also gives you an understanding of how he thinks. And so I hope that you won't just see this as another portion of Bible, not that it's just another portion, but it could change the way you lead your life and impact the way your heart is instructed. This psalm is an acrostic poem, and in Hebrew, it began with the, the A of the Hebrew, Hebrew alphabet, A, B, C, and so on, all the way through to the final letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The way it's structured, it feels, even in English, like a song. It has a flow like a song. But while it flows like a song, it reads almost like a proverb. So let's read Psalm 37, 1, 2, 7. <clears throat> Fret not yourself because of evildoers. B, don't be envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Now the core of this psalm, the core message that God is saying to us is this. If you trust me, I'm going to come good for you. If you trust him, he will come good for you. And there's three main areas the psalmist communicates. The first one is this. He makes a command to us. The second is God's response to those described as the wicked. And the third is God's promises to us. We've got the command to us. We've got God's response to the wicked. And thirdly, his promise to us. We're going to begin by looking at the seven commands or encouragements of God. One of these may particularly resonate with you. And rather than trying to change your life in all these areas, why don't you zone in on one? Think about the one that particularly connects with your heart right now, where you're at. And be honest with yourself. You don't need to tell anyone. Just be honest with yourself and say, yeah, this is the area I feel God really wants to help me work on this week. Is that okay? Yes, Pete. Thank you. <laughs> Number one. Command encouragement number one. 
Don't fret. Now, I think fret not yourselves is a very old way of saying something, but I kind of like it, so I threw it in there anyway. Don't fret. What is fret? I think it's, you know, you can't get settled. You're a little bit anxious. You're just a little bit maybe frustrated and stressed, a little bit of grumbling maybe, a little bit of complaining, a bit of angst. Fret. Not very nice, is it? But we all do it, don't we? Let's be honest. But the Bible says, David says, don't waste your time on fretting. Trust in the Lord. And especially, don't waste your time on fretting about evil people who do evil things. It's not worth it. For some of you in this room, you know you are the king or the queen of fretting. But David says, look, don't waste your time on it. Fret not. And for you, this point might be the only point you need to take away today. And to readjust your thinking so that when worry just jumps in on on the back of your thoughts, you just say, hang on a minute. Fret not yourself. I'm not going to fret. I'm going to be at peace in who I am in God. Verse 2 says, point 2, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord and do good. In fact, in times of trouble, the best thing that we can do is to trust him. But I know it's hard. I know sometimes it seems so abstract that God's over there somewhere and I'm being told to trust in this unknown being. This unknown being knows you better than you know yourself. Trust him. But don't just leave it in the trust realm. There's an action followed the trust. It says, and do good. How about Instead of just worrying about the problems, we start to sow some good seed into people's lives. Let's imagine, for example, you are a man, all of you in this room, and you have a son, and your son is 15 years old, and your son has decided over the last year that he doesn't want to know about church, he doesn't want to know about God, and he has decided, this is it, I'm walking away. And you've prayed, you've coerced, you've encouraged, you've stirred, you've done all that you know how. You've even fasted about it, and yet he is not moving. How about this for a change of action? Start to sow in the area where you want a breakthrough. So in this case, start sowing into the youth. How about you pray for all the young people that are going to youth on a Friday night? How about sending Josh Drury an encouraging email? or maybe giving him 50 quid, or taking him out for a meal, or just encouraging one of the leaders. He's not even in here. I didn't even pay him. Why don't you bless someone who's in that specific area where you need a breakthrough, and watch what God does. Don't just trust, but take action on your trust. Point three, command three, verse four, one of the cornerstone verses of this psalm. Delight yourself in the Lord. You know, David experienced a wide range of things in life. He started as a shepherd boy and he ended as a king. But during that time, he must have seen dreams that he had fulfilled, but also dreams that he never knew were possible fulfilled in his life. And it's like David saying to us, look guys, all these dreams are great, but it begins with delighting yourself. In God. In fact, David began his journey in the fields, singing out to God, and he ended his journey worshiping God. And that was the hallmark of who the man 
David was. Imagine you prayed for a situation, and instead of pleading with God day and night, night and day, you say instead, God, I am going to thank you that you've heard me, and as I delight in you, I believe you're going to work on it. While you're bringing my breakthrough, I'm just going to start worshiping you. Because worship is about faith. And when we worship God, we're saying, okay, God, all this life, I'm going to put it aside, and I'm just going to elevate you. And it's amazing when we start to elevate the king of kings, he becomes king again and sits as number one in our hearts. And I just want to encourage some of you to have that perspective that God is bringing your breakthrough, so why not just switch and delight in him? He's doing it. He's doing far more than what you could imagine. The other key in this verse is this, that not delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you every single desire that you wish for. It's he will give you the desires of your heart. But as you begin to delight in him, your heart changes. Your heart softens. And your heart becomes one with his heart. And the dreams and the things that you desire, yes, they're great. But he starts to put in dreams and desires that are even greater than the dreams and desires you personally have. And you begin to expect in faith the things of God that he truly has for you in this world and beyond. Who knows what impact God has for you? And you just want to fulfill this one dream of being on TV and being famous when he has so much more, such a greater blessing, such a greater impact in Jesus' name. You know, once upon a time I was 19 and... Um, I had this crush on a girl. I thought, like every 19-year-old Christian boy, that she was the one. Honestly, 19-year-old boys, listen up to this. She may not be the one. But I was determined. I was praying. I was doing all that I could to get in her good books. And a good friend and a mentor came alongside me, and he said, you know, if, if you're praying for her, why don't you pray specifically for your wife, who you're going to marry one day? I thought that was great, you know, she was obviously going to be my wife, and um, it was clear to me, I knew, I had a picture from God and everything, I saw the wedding dress. <laughs> Lies. And this guy encouraged me not to pray for that individual, but to pray for who my wife was going to become. And if it happened to be her, then great, but if not, my hopes wouldn't be dashed. Well, they were dashed, and um, I found out after months of pursuit that really she wasn't interested. And guys, get a grip here, sometimes girls just don't like you and you've just got to move on. <laughs> That was me for about a year. <laughs> but I carried on praying and pressing into God and seeking God. And, and actually, do you know what? I liked worshiping God more than I liked praying to him. So I spent more of my time delighting in him than praying. I didn't really know this verse at the time. But I spent that time worshiping him. And what I didn't realize was at the same time, a 19-year-old girl on the other side of the world was far from God, not walking with God, and making some interesting decisions. She became a Christian during that time. A few, couple of years later, she became a Christian. She got baptized. And then she felt that she should move to the UK. And all those prayers I was praying for my wife, I was praying for her salvation. I was praying for her to get right with God. And I was praying for her to move to the other side of the country, the world, sorry, other side of the world to meet me. I didn't realize this. But God's desires were bigger than my own. And amazingly, miraculously, Lizzie wanted to be my wife. Now, anyone who's met Lizzie will know I've married at least two or three leagues above me. And um, it is truly a miracle of God. So delight yourself in God. And you may never know what he may do. Because you will never come second when you put God first. Seriously, 
Trust me on this. You will not come second when you put God first. The fourth encouragement and command is this. Commit your way to the Lord. Commit to consistency. Commit to consistently following God. Commit to him being Lord of your life, not just today, but the rest of your life. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but my commitment is that I will follow Jesus for the rest of my days. And I don't know where you're at, but maybe you're in and out of church. Maybe you're in and out of following Jesus only when you feel like it or when life is good. But I want to challenge you. If you've got commitment issues this morning, get stuck in and commit to the Lord of your life, Jesus Christ, because he's got so much he wants to give you, so much goodness, so much blessing, so much favor. And it makes me sad when you see people drifting and walking in and out of relationship with God. Make a commitment today. Follow him, trust him, and he will act. The fifth command and encouragement is this. Be still before the Lord. Let's trust God that he will make sure that we always get what is right for us in the right time. If God doesn't open a door for us, then maybe there's a reason for it. If God closes a door, then maybe there's a new season that he wants us to walk in. And I just feel as I was preparing this that there's some of you here that you're holding on and clinging onto a door that God is desperately trying to close on you, but you're trying to get your fingers in between to stop it closing because you can't, you're scared of what's coming next. And I want to encourage you that God has got good plans for you, but he needs you to let go of that door and to let him close it. And every part of our life, we walk through seasons where doors open and doors close. And maybe when a door closes on you, it's because he's got new things for you. We will walk until we are old to that final door, the door of heaven, which one day we'll all have to walk through. And let's not cling on to life so much that we miss out on the next thing that God has for us. Let's be ready and bold to step through that new door. So I've said I'm fundraising for this album and it's been a lot of fun and a lot of hard work. And one of the things you have to do for any fundraising site is to put together a video. And Jeremy Dawson, I don't know if he's in the room, but he's a good friend and he helped me make this this little video for it. And we met up on Monday night and we had the laptop there and everything was working fine. And we had some juice, maybe half a pint's worth of juice. And in a split second suddenly the laptop went for a swim in the juice as it spilt on this poor, poor laptop and my poor, poor project. We held the laptop up like this and it dripped for five minutes with all this juice that was in it. And um, we were both devastated. A lot of hard work had gone in and that was it. Finished. I heard a text the next day as I was here and Jeremy said, look, it's no go. You're going to have to do something else yourself. I'm really, really sorry. I've let you down. I walked in here and the band were rehearsing, and I sat down, and Sine started to sing a song, and it went like this. When it doesn't go my way, I know that it is not the end. I'm trusting you have better plans. I haven't even dreamt of yet. I know that you are for me when everything's against me. I put all my hope in you. 
Jesus, I will trust you. And in that moment, a stillness came upon me. As the words resonated more than they've ever done before, I was able to let go and say, okay, God, I want this thing to work, but I'm going to be still. I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to wait. I'm not going to try and solve it. Now, miraculously, an hour later, I got another text saying, you won't believe this. The whole laptop's working again, and I can edit your, your film, and it's all going to be fine, which is amazing. But I think what God really wanted from me was that moment of pause and being still. And with all the chaos that's going around us at the moment in our world, stillness, the people of God being still, and being able to pause and gather ourselves to be a people of peace is so, so vital. And people will look at you and will say, what is it that you've got that I need? I remember when my dad died many years ago, this lady came up to us and and she said, I've been watching you for a year, my mum, and I've been waiting for you to curse your God. I've been waiting for you to turn your back on your God, and I, I've been watching for the moment that you were going to just walk away from your faith, and you haven't. You've just remained peaceful. I think that's an incredible testimony to people who are watching and waiting for us to slip up. But the peace of God rules our hearts as we are still with him. The sixth command is to refrain, to refrain from anger. And I think this is linked to peace. A lack of inner peace and stillness can actually easily lead to a flare-up inside and results in, in more than restlessness, more than frustration, and eventually anger. And if you're, you know you're quick to blow a fuse, why don't you work into your heart this peace so that you can refrain from anger in times of trouble? You have control over your temper and your emotions, but you can choose to not be angry ahead of time. And then seventh, seventh, wait. Wait, not just waiting for waiting's sake, but wait for the Lord. Wait for him and see what he does. I'm learning as an impatient person, generally, that impatience in the kingdom is actually very rarely rewarded. The reward comes to us who are patient. So let's wait upon him. Let's rest in who he is. And let's trust him. What's amazing about this psalm is the seven commands are the smallest part. And though I've spent most of my time focusing on them, there's an even larger section that deals with what the Bible calls the wicked. And here's some good news. God actually responds to what the wicked do. Let me just clarify this for a moment. The wicked are not us in this room, okay? You're not wicked. You're God-following. Your heart is towards him. The wicked are not also people who do good, who are not Christians. There's many good people out there who just don't love Jesus. But the Bible doesn't really clarify them as wicked. They just haven't met Jesus yet. And his heart is for them to meet him. The wicked are those who go out of their way to deliberately destroy and bring down others and do all matters of evil. These people are what the psalmist calls the wicked. And in a world where the headlines dominate so much wickedness at the moment, it's refreshing to know that the psalmist says that God sees, that God knows what's going on. His heart goes out to people who are suffering, and he responds. Guys, he responds. He responds to the wicked. 
And we can call on him to deliver us from evil, absolutely. That he is already responding to wicked acts going on in our world today. This is what the psalmist says, if you trust God, he will come good for you. Let's read a few of these verses about what the Bible says about the wicked. Verse 2, for they will soon fade like grass and wither like the green herb. Verse 9, for the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Verse 10, in just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at its place, he will not be there. Verse 13 says, but the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that their day is coming. 15 says, their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. Wow. Verse 17, the arms of the wicked shall be broken. Verse 28, the children of the wicked shall be cut off. I mean, God is serious about this. Verse 36, the transgressors shall be altogether destroyed. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. Wow. He's serious. And then this incredible description in verse 35 to 6. David says, I have seen the wicked, ruthless man, spreading himself like a green laurel tree. But he passes away. And look, he's no more. Though I sought him, he could not be found. It's just like David to say it, because David, more than probably most of us, was chased down to be killed many times in his life. Even his own son tried to kill him. He always had enemies. Maybe some of us in this room have never had someone try and kill us, but we do face people who want to destroy our reputation, put us down, and seek harm or abuse power over us. But we can take confidence and assurance if David experienced that as the one who had many enemies who wanted to kill him. We too will experience what God says he will do to the wicked. And though they may spread out, they will fall. And he will destroy what they do. There was once a man called John. And John, John worked, he was a Christian. He was a good guy, like many of you. He worked hard. He clocked in on time. He was a man of integrity. He did what was required of him. And he had a terrible boss. His boss was manipulative. His boss treated him with disdain. He put extra pressure on him, extra workload, and was unfair while he was having it easy. And John was praying, and he said, God, take this man away. I don't want to work for him anymore. I want to leave. What do I do? And he felt God say, John, stick with it. Stay put. Don't move. So, gritting his teeth, he tried to keep going. And then one day, this man, his boss, was found out for embellishing some money and got pulled aside by the big boss and removed from his position. The employees came to John and said, John, you've been so faithful for these years. We want to elevate you and give you your boss's position. And we want to give you the authority that your boss once had over you to be able to work well in this place. Isn't it amazing how God turns around the things that the enemy means for evil for our good? So how do we, C3, how do we respond to our enemies? I think the key is in the seven commands. To fret not, to trust, to commit to him, to delight in him, to be still, to refrain from anger, and to wait for the Lord 
to do good. If we can nurture that in our lives, God will deal with the wicked. He really will. The most beautiful part of this psalm for me is the rest of it. There are 14 promises, two for every one command. Isn't it just like God that he wants to bless us double for our advance towards him? And as I said already, you will never come second when you put God first. And I would love just to read some of these over you in the next couple of minutes. You know, when you make a godly choice, the reward is multiplied over a lifetime. The focus of these promises are justice, inheritance, and heritage. In fact, that's mentioned five times. Peace, upholding, abundance, protection, and closeness, mentioned four times. Preservation through trials. And what I'd love to do right now is for us to close our eyes just for a minute and to receive these promises that God speaks over you today in July the truth of his word. So close your eyes, and I'm just going to alter these psalms slightly so they, they resonate with you and put you as the personal. And I want you to just, maybe, maybe you want to just stretch out your, your arms on your lap and just receive these words of the, the truth of God over you. You, C3, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. For the evildoers will be cut off, but you who wait for the Lord, you will inherit the land. You, the meek, you shall inherit the land and delight yourself in abundant peace. God upholds you because you're righteous. The Lord knows your days and your heritage will remain forever. You are not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine, you have abundance. For you are blessed by the Lord and you shall inherit the land. You are established by the Lord when you delight in his ways. Though you may fall and trip up, you shall not be cast headlong. For the Lord upholds your hand. I've been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken. For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake you. You are preserved forever. You, the righteous, shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. The law of God is in your heart. Your steps won't slip. The Lord will not abandon you to the wicked man's power or let you be condemned when you are brought to trial. Wait for the Lord, keep in his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on where the wicked are cut off. The salvation of you, the righteous, is from the Lord. He is your stronghold in times of trouble. The Lord helps you and he delivers you from the wicked and he saves you because you take refuge in him. You will never come second 
when you put God first. Never, ever second. And I don't know about you, but when I hear those words, even hearing my own voice speaking them over me, a sense of peace comes, a sense of steadiness, and a confidence rises again. And I want to just go back to that cornerstone verse of verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Please, I plead with you, don't waste your life fretting. Don't waste your life in anxiety. Don't waste your life in worry. There's always going to be something to worry about. But there's always a reason to praise. And we're constantly caught in this dilemma of, do I worry or do I trust? Do I fear or do I praise? And when we love God, as I've said, something changes on the inside of us. And I just want to encourage you, every time you come in here, let your first thought be, I'm going to worship today. I'm going to delight in you, God, because you are good. You're a good father to me. Let your first thought when you get up to spend time with God in the morning or in the evening, God, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to delight in you, and I'm going to trust that you've got my back for everything else. And maybe some of you really love that, and some of you struggle with it, but it's good for your soul. It's good for you. It's good for you. And it's awesome to be able to sing out songs of praise to our King of Kings. I'd rather we use our voices for praise of Him than use our voices for anything else. So let's stand. And we're just going to sing this song. And I want you to sing out and sing bold and sing loud because these songs of the summer are not just for this season of summertime. They're for the summer, the autumn, and the winter. With whatever you go through, to sing out our praise to Him is what we were made for. So let's lift our voices in this place as we sing this song again.